Hooray Run Podcast debut episode. It's Boston Marathon Monday, and speaking of debuts, Jordan Hase, wow. She clocked the fastest debut marathon by an American woman by nearly three minutes. Galen Rupp's Boston debut, Meb's final Boston, Des Linden, there's just so much to cover. My friend and former cross-country slash track teammate at Hope College in Holland, Michigan, Tyler Brinks, a.k.a. T-Dot, will join me, James Rogers, here on episode one. We're going to tackle major 2017 Boston storylines. Hooray Run Podcast, what is it? It's a young project, clearly, but coverage here will follow primarily American distance running from 1,500 meters on up with hopes of delivering top-notch interviews with, yes, elite runners, but also coaches, track and field slash distance running journalists, and more. TDOT and I will occasionally shoot knowledgeable breeze on notable topics. It's going to be fun. So thank you for listening. Please recommend, tell others. And now, my friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Please drop that beat. As promised in the intro, tonight, episode one, debut episode of Hooray Run Podcast, on the other line is Tyler Brinks, a.k.a. T-Dot, former teammate of mine, cross-country and track at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. I'm somewhere in Illinois. Ty, I think, is in Holland right now, and we're going to get after this 2017 Boston Marathon, the 121st running of the marathon today. Monday, April 17th, recording this around 9 p.m. Central. Ty and I, TDOT, we're going to get after it. We're going to tackle some major storylines. First off, I'm just going to go over top five each side. Top five, top five, top five. For the women, Edna Kiplagat of Kenya takes home the $150,000 first place prize. Second runner-up, Rose Chalimo followed by Jordan Hase, who we're going to get into here in a minute. Debut marathon for Jordan, 25-year-old, part of the Nike Oregon Project. She is a podium finisher in her debut marathon here in Boston. Third place, Des Linden in fourth of the USA. And then fifth place on the women's side, Gladys Chirono of Kenya. On the men's side, Ty, correct me if I mess any of this up, to your knowledge. Yep. Pronunciation, anything. First mm-hmm. place, Jeffrey Karui of Kenya. He had a battle with Rupp, Galen Rupp, who was in second place, runner-up today, in his debut Boston appearance. Broke 210, which we'll get into also, which is a rarity for USA men. We'll talk about that when we get talking about Rupp more in depth. In third place, Rupp's Nike Oregon Project teammate Seguro Osako kind of going under the radar here. 210.28 out of Japan. Mm-hmm. He's a podium finisher on the men's side. Suguru's debut marathon. And Shadrach Biwat, USA. Huge finish for USA there in fourth. And then Wilson Chibet of Kenya rounding out the top five for the men. So, Brinks, 
we're going to get into this. Yep. And we're going to talk Rupp off the bat because let's do it. He came into this race kind of. We had doubts. We had what's up with the plantar fasciitis. We had is his foot going to hold up? And some people even questioning like, will he show and will he toe the line in Boston? And sure enough, we get the entire NOP crew who was scheduled to be there, and Rupp is indeed one of them. And he goes out, breaks 210, takes a silver for the USA in his third ever marathon. And I was delighted. I really was for him to get out, for him to stick to the race plan. You know, under Alberto Salazar, he's going to come as fresh as possible, as prepared as possible. Alberto won this race in 1982. You just feel really confident in a 30-year-old Rupp who's now... I mean, still in the baby stages of marathoning. Just your initial thoughts on what you saw to Rupp and his third ever 26.2 attempt. Yeah, I mean, we see Rupp show up, you know, he runs well in championship races, but he's also not afraid to to tone it back, and he's not going to risk um, one race for the big picture. So, um, exactly. you know, we, we, we talked about what Saturday night about his Let's Run interview. Um, and some of the yes. others, you know, like he, he was, he was excited. He, like, there was no signs of doubt, no shadow of a doubt. Uh, he just seemed, you know, he was energetic. He was vibrant. Like it was, we said it was a fun rough to see, and it would have been hard to believe that he would have gotten, you know, towed the line, um, and then would have had, you know, pain. And he, he, I think it would have been surprising to see him drop out based off of the attitude he showed at the press conference on, on Saturday night. You just get a as as an American as a fan of American distance running. You get kind of the chills watching the race when you see it's Rupp and and Karui breaking off from the pack, and you have that USA guy to to cheer home. And much respect to Karui. That was, yeah. I mean, he his third ever marathon. Also, am I correct? I want to say third finish. Okay. He started in Chicago and I think dropped out, and I don't know what year that was. Got it. Uh, but still, two guys who, yeah. you know, third, maybe fourth marathon for Karui, but just seeing, I mean, he's 24, and just yet another, I mean, we, we had a laugh over text last week about just how much Kenya and Ethiopia churn out in the marathon, and how uh, it's, I guess it's easier to, to, what should I say, cover USA marathoning because of the lack of depth that we have right now, even though we're seeing these huge gains in the mm-hmm. last, I'd say four or five years, but just Karui, I mean, another, I'm not going to say no name, but I kind of am because it's just Jeffrey yeah. Karui, 24. And he goes out and wins Boston, takes yeah. home the one-on-one battle versus Rupp. Back to Rupp though. I mean, just not to belabor any point, but we know he's America's greatest distance running hope. And at this present time, third marathon, and he's, let's look at what he's done. Won the Olympic trials, takes home the gold there, goes to Rio, takes a bronze. Mm-hmm. And then today he's a silverist, silver medalist, I should say, at Boston. So he's already, his three marathons, he's gotten all three medals, if you will, if you want to look at it that way. And that's just, yeah. again, much respect to Alberto Salazar and all that they've been through with the doping accusations, with 
um, going through injury with, okay, is Rupp going to run this, this Prague, his Prague half marathon back on April 1st was not too thrilling for us. I remember we were talking about it the morning of and just thought, okay, 11th place, what was it? 61, 59, um, mm-hmm. thinking he could maybe crack 60 far off from that, but Hey, he delivered and that was fun. I think, you know, looking ahead, there's certainly a lot of hope for him in the future. You know, I mean, I think that goes without saying, but, you know, he, a performance like today, you know, with kind of shoddy training, I mean, he, I mean, he talked a little bit about how this is the first time that he was coming in with like full marathon training under his belt, just focusing solely on the marathon. Yes. But certainly had some hiccups and, you know, Karui throws down, you know, an incredible last three miles. I mean, it looks like I was saying mile 22, 439, still side by side, but then pulls away miles 23 uh, in 446, 24, 427, uh, just, you know, leaves rough in the dust. It's lethal. Like, you can't fault him for that. You know, it's like those are, you know, when you're in a marathon, I don't think Rupp had ever been with, he hadn't been next to anybody that late into a marathon before, you know, he... He pulled away from Meb at the trials and kind of found no man's land Olympic. in Rio. Olympic, yeah, in Rio. So, uh, you know, that's un you know uncharted waters for for Rupp, and you know, I think it was uncharted for Karui as well to an extent. But he had been he'd run, you know, his his faster times: Rotterdam two hundred seven twenty three, and in Amsterdam two hundred six twenty seven. Like he he's throwing down similar times to what he did you know, late in the race today, you know, when he was in the Netherlands for those two races. I mean, so he's, he's acclimated to that, but certainly Rupp, it's a different ball game. You know, it's unprecedented that, you know, um, so that's just a little bit of inexperience on that half. And, you know, and Boston's a grueling race and, you know, it's hilly and, um, you know, but I think it's a great showing still and certainly has a lot of promise looking ahead. You told me post-race you saw a little tweet exchange between Chris Chavez of SI and Merber, Kyle Merber of yep. Local 1-1, one of our best 1,500 milers in America. And it was there was a humorous touch to it, something at the post-race press conference where I want you to tell it real quick, and then I have a kind of a spin on it, you know, um, a kind of theory, you know, what if. But but tell me what you, what you saw in that exchange. Sure. I uh, was just scrolling through Twitter earlier this afternoon. This is, you know, two, three o'clock and Chavez tweets at the men's post-race press conference. Jeffrey Karui doesn't know Galen Rupp's name. Hashtag Boston marathon. Yes. Merber replies, you know, kind of in jest. I don't even know Galen Rupp's name. Quoting Karui. Didn't sound like it was exactly how it went down, but Chavez says, uh, this is another like verbatim tweet. Karui explaining race plan. There was this guy in me whose name is, Turns to Rupp, Rupp laughs, no, no response. Currently, okay, I don't know. I mean, kind of a surprise. I mean, you seemingly a surprise, but I know you got a, you've got another idea to this one. And um, I'm just going to take it, fair. spin it, and say, do we know for sure if Rupp looked over? I mean, be, should I say pre-race? Do we know if Rupp knew? Karui, like he could say, he could look at him and say, that's Jeffrey Karui. Yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't say. Because then I saw a reply on that chain and someone did come back after yeah. someone flipped it like that and said, would Rupp have known Karui? And then 
someone mentioned how Salazar would lay out the entire elite field and Rupp would know each and every name, where they're from, what their racing tactics are like. And I thought that's a good point too. You know, mm-hmm. as I praise Salazar here in the first 10 minutes, you know, I, I can totally see that being a factor in terms of Alberto having, having Galen ready for whoever and whatever. And yeah, I just thought it was interesting though, you know, if Rupp could have looked over and pinpointed that man as Karui. It's just yeah. a, it's a fun little theory. What if, but yeah, cause Karui not knowing who Rupp was and that got a little laugh on Twitter. Yeah. Certainly they had never raced a marathon against one another and you know, maybe I don't even think they had raced a 10 K or anything on the track. I, you know, Karui being younger and, and whatever, it doesn't seem he's had such a promising track career and that the marathon's kind of going to be where he, he excels as, you know, as he's did today. But, Um, certainly uh, it's a funny exchange. Um, I mean, I was talking to my roommate who, um, give Duffy a shout out. I mean, he has not been a running fan. He doesn't follow the sport. Um, you know, doesn't run. He hasn't ran in high school, but briefly, uh, you know, he knew Galen Rupp's name. He's like, yeah, it's relatively household. Like I've heard you talk about him a little bit, Sure. you know, but you know, a couple Olympic medals, like, yeah, I recognize the name. And I was like, Jeffrey Crew, like, you know that? He's like, dude, no idea. Like, you know, but, you know, it, I mean, sure, he's an American, so I guess that helps. But still, Crewy lining up, like, you'd think that Karui would look at the star list and say, like, okay, who are my top competitors, you know? And right. I guess in one way, maybe it says something about how the Kenyans and the East Africans view the Americans as contenders. I mean, maybe that says that they just aren't contenders, but... <laughs> You know, like, Karui's looking around, and he's like, oh, who are the East Africans who are... Yeah, is, is he more concerned with his fellow Kenyans and yeah. the rivals in Ethiopia? Yeah. But, I mean, like, Karui, like... I mean, it's, again, it's not like... It's not that Galen Rupp's won a major marathon, but he has a bronze medal from the most recent Olympics, which sure. presumably Karui was sure. watching. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of another funny part, you know? It's, Absolutely. So, it's not like he's he turns around and sees... You know, like Sean Quigley or something. You know, we finished. Yeah. Well, we finished fifteenth. You know, like a Boston guy. He sees America's best yeah. sitting to his left. Yeah. So. So Karui takes home 150k for the win. Rupp 75k for runner-up finish. And Rupp sub 210 in his first ever Boston, just the 17th USA Marathoner ever to go under 210. Let's put a bow on Rupp for now and go to Hase quick here. Mm-hmm. who I just have so much praise for. We yeah. heard it in the pre-race coverage and some journalists from Oregon and other people covering the Boston Marathon press conferences pre-race, just the saddening passing of her mother in mm-hmm. November yep. and the emotions coming out and putting those onto the court, onto the race course today, her saying that, you know, I run an hour, my mom runs an hour with me. It was just the coolest, one of the coolest stories leading into the Boston Marathon this year. And now that she's going home with a third place debut 223 marathon, that's incredible. And yeah, 25 years old, debut marathon. Yeah. Had a couple great half marathons leading up to this in Houston and Prague. Prague, where she went sub-68, which was just mm-hmm. the third American woman ever to do that. Yeah. And then debut 26.2, 
amid all the emotions, amid all the coverage, the stories that were coming out on her leading up. I mean, for a debut and having her pedigree, not that she, I think, won as many titles as she wanted to at Oregon. Or, I mean, 18-time All-American I read recently at Oregon. And high school prodigy. And then building it all up, high school Oregon to now with the Nike Oregon Project. And to do this in her first ever marathon, I'm just really happy for her. saw her physical therapist caught a really cool moment on Facebook Live video of uh, her hugging her dad and tears flowing. And you just see what running can mean to an individual and what it can mean for a country. I mean, really, the U.S. She made the U.S. And distance running here. So proud mm-hmm. with her run this morning. And I could talk 15 minutes about her alone on my own, but what you saw from Hase, what stood out? Yeah, I think, I mean, one of the cool things is, you know, that the Boston Marathon is, is so renowned across the country and has, you know, even just the recent history, you know, with, with the bombing in 2013 and there's just, you know, and then Meblins in 2014 and just so much emotion surrounding this event and, and probably, you know, probably, I would like to see, you know, some, uh, some TV rating sort of stuff on, you know, the Boston viewing viewership versus like the Olympic trials. I mean, I think Boston like garners more, as much or more interest than any other running event in the country and to have a storyline. I mean, so many storylines on, on a given on today, like you have, you know, Desi Linden, you yeah. know, she finishes fourth. She's coming in, you know, feeling confident, excited. And I mean, she's just, you know, a humble gal, you know, and, um, you know, but then you have Jordan's story with her mom and her, her debut. And you have, you know, Rupp who, you know, finishes second, exciting, and then you have Meb's last marathon, and you know Meb is, you know, an adopted child of, you know, of Boston at this point. Yeah, we just talked about him becoming immortal after that 2014 yeah. victory, the first year after the bombings, putting yeah. USA on the singlet and taking home the W for America there in 2014. That really immortalized him in a way, and he's become a darling mm-hmm. throughout his years of marathoning for the U.S. And to speak effectively, you know, NBC probably 20, 30 minutes into the men's race. I think I I could be a little off on that, but you know, they, they just did a little quick flashback talking about Meb, talking about his win in 2014, you know, to conduct a couple pre-race interviews with him, whatever. But, you know, Meb just saying, you know, winning in 2014 was almost like an answer to the question of like, you know, what's my purpose on earth, which you know, like, yeah, how about that? It's a little bold, but at the same time, you know, like, if you're a runner and you commit yourself, like, running so many miles, so many thousands of miles over years and years, so many sacrifices, you know, and, you know, I mean, he, he's not, an, you know, he's not American born, so he's, like, gained American citizenship, but, you know, all those culminating in, like, this, you know, this just astounding, remarkable event of him winning the Boston Marathon the year following, you know, the terror attacks and just certainly transcends transcend sport and is exciting and you know like it's just it's a remarkable moment and uh, i i don't know if you could say for the country jordan's jordan's third place in debut marathon is important but certainly Mm -hmm. the people close to her you know and for her 
you know, like it's certainly got to feel almost the same, you know, it's that same sort of elation, um, and relief and to an extent and, um, just celebration at the end of it, that you, all this work is culminated in something successful and something that is really bigger than herself. Indeed a powerful performance. And we got into Meb's farewell there, Meb's final Boston. He said it over and again, over and over again, last competitive Boston, at least as a pro. Yeah. yeah. He will run New York city in November per reports also per his words. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming. So that'll be his last competitive marathon at New York city in November, <laughs> a Boston farewell, a warm, warm farewell. I saw his interaction with the crowd. He's genuine in that nature. He's always getting involved. I remember, was it last Boston or 2015 when he crossed the line with a, another competitor, but it was no one he knew. It was just a woman who was running side by side with him and they lifted arms together, crossed the line. It was just one of those picture perfect, mm-hmm. how running brings us all together moments. And that's what Meb has just, he's become a staple of that. And like yeah. I said earlier, just the darling of USA marathoning and how much he's done for our country mm-hmm. with 26.2. So Rob Hase, huge for Nike Oregon project. I mentioned in the top five for the men, yeah. Osako, also Nike Oregon project, big day for Salazar, Meb's final Boston, Lyndon. I'd love to just give her mad props. She's just a, yeah. how do I describe Des Linden? You said, humble it's like humble with fire i mean yeah, she, she really brings great. the honesty in interviews too and i love it i yeah. i love her approach to racing uh i had to tweet here and there about her early on in the race just taking the lead mm-hmm. and with hansons brooks based in michigan yeah and i'm sure they do training in warm weather places possibly in altitude but just coming from there i have some michigan pride too in me also uh But Des Linden, just kind of a heartbreaker again. Fourth place finish. She's looking for that major marathon victory and just cannot find it, cannot snatch it. We remember 2011 Boston, the famously wind-dated, crazy fast year, 2011. She ran 222 and change and finished second. But that final straight was like a back and forth, and we thought we were going to have our first American women victory since 1985 and coming into this race, we thought, okay, Des Jordan would be great to see one of them take the 150,000 prize purse as the victor. Um, but we get three, four, which we're proud of. We are, Mm -hmm. you just feel for Lyndon too. She's 33. Um, she talked about, she tweeted some, some good words after the race. Uh, I just would love to have her, on a pod and just dig into that brain of hers. I saw she was a psychology major at Arizona state and just maybe ask her about the psych that goes into her training and mental preparation. And I think she, you know, she'd be able to shoot the breeze a little bit too. She'd have some fun quotes. I mean, I you know, even just the NBC coverage. Yeah. She, she's certainly got, you know, some pizzazz and, you know, she's just like a fun, Again, I think humble and she's gritty and she's fiery. I mean, she, you know, during the walkouts to the start line, I mean, you know, she was headphones in, but a big smile and 
but you know, like as the, I think you know, the announcer is saying, just you know, she's got fire in her eyes. She's like, she's happy to be here, but she's like ready to go. And I, I agree. I think she might be somebody who could have on the pod, and we just would love to have her. It'd be a great conversation. Here's one of her post race tweets nine hours ago. All you got is all you got. That was everything. Thanks for all the love leading up to this. You can't top the running community. Yeah. And she, you know, you'd, you'd love to see her in another Olympic marathon, but we're talking 36-ish at the time of Tokyo 2020. Yeah. Um, still doable. I mean, we're seeing what, what Meb's doing into his 40s and what Abdi did today for the U.S. Abdi, Abdi Rahman at 40 years old going sixth place for the USA in uh, 2.12.45. So it's not – she's 33. She's still young. It's yeah. It's just when is she going to jump that hurdle per se and take home that so coveted W that she's been looking for. For I mean, I know she ran Boston in 07, so that's – that's 10 years ago. Yeah. It's a decade ago. That was her Boston debut. So she's been on the roads for quite a while. Yep. And that's been her main focus. And I'm pulling for her. I know you are. I know the country is. We give huge shout out to Des for her fire and her mental tenacity and taking it out. Just taking the lead in a race like that, any major marathon, mm-hmm. takes guts in and of itself. Any other thoughts on Des? Not too much to close. I, I'm just certainly excited. I think she's, I think she's got more in her. I think that, I think Boston is really what's driven her. But I think that if she were to gear up for another marathon, I don't think it'd be out of the question. I think, you know, maybe the speed doesn't, um, you know, that doesn't tend to her strength. Doesn't lend to her strength. Uh, so maybe a Boston that's, well, a little bit faster than New York. Um, you know, New York kind of attracts some, you know, and with pacers and it attracts a faster crowd. Um, but I still, you know, I wouldn't, we, I mean, we're certainly going to see some young talent for Tokyo and I hope, you know, hopefully they see a, a healthy Des total line, you Absolutely. know, at Olympic trials, I think like she's made for championship style racing. And again, she's just tough and she's tenacious and I, I wouldn't rule her out for Tokyo. Got a fact for you from Associated Press via ESPN. First time since 1991 that the U.S. placed two women in the top four. Wow. Jordan going third, Dez fourth. T-Dot, you got to go here. I think you got an IM game in like seven minutes. Yeah, but don't tell my coach that. <laughs> what, are your, what are your thoughts right now? I think... Uh... You know, soccer's a great, it's relaxing, and it's a good cross-training activity, <laughs> and it's with some friends. And it's Those my, midfielders, yeah, they run up to like six or seven miles in those Premier League games. Yeah, they do. And, you know, the, the, the field's not that big. You know, we're not doing too much running. A little bit late, just, you know, it's a good shakeout. You know, takes you know takes the role of the, uh, the morning run out. You sleep in a little bit longer. In the afternoon, you got, you know, games at 11, got to admit, a little bit late. Um you know, but good good way to shake the legs out. So, are you telling me you don't have much time to touch on other strong USA showings like Abdi? We kind of mentioned quick there. Luke Puskedra, big time, ninth place finish, and then Jared Ward, twenty sixteen Rio Olympian, 
10th place. I mean, we can mm-hmm. go into a little more detail on them, but if we got to wrap it up here so you can get to get to striking on the soccer field, we can do that also. Yeah, let's give us maybe three, four more minutes. Yeah? Yeah. Do you have your clap points ready? Hmm. Do you have any? So for the listeners, T-Dot and I, we like to send the clap point emoji, which is, in a simple sense, the clap emoji and the point to the right emoji. Just originated during my senior year at Hope, his freshman year. Mm -hmm. So we clap point to things that were that we approve of. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a hooray, you know, we're hooray run podcast. So it could be like called the two hoorays, but we're going to call them the two yeah. clap points for now. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a clap point yeah. to something that may have flew more under the radar or maybe a non elite story from 2017 Boston that we'd like to highlight here on the pod. Mm-hmm. And we can, I'm going to give one, I'm going to give one of mine right now. So I might not have a couple, yeah. but since we're short on time, <clears throat> I do want to, point out Catherine Switzer, who mm. remarkably, in 1967, Boston, was the first... She was registered. Now, she... What I read today was she went under a, like, double initial first name and then Switzer, um, so they couldn't genderize her, so they didn't know if it was a male or female entering the race. But in 1967, Switzer entered and became the first woman to finish Boston. And she was pushed off the course by marshals. And then you got these guys blocking for her and keep her on the course. It's just an amazing story. I think I saw a five-minute clip from ESPN. Look it up, Catherine Switzer, if you look her up online. I'm sure a couple articles, maybe a video clip, and you'll get the full story of the 1967 Boston. Anyway, 50 years later, she's <laughs> she came back to Boston she wore the 261 bib in 1967, 261. Mm-hmm. Comes back at 70 years old this year, 2017. Wears 261 bib and runs 444 and change. And just a powerful statement from her. And just the evolution, in a way, of the women's marathon participation and just how much it's grown since mm-hmm. 1972 was the first officially sanctioned women's race in Boston. So 1972 was the first year women were legally allowed to enter the race and run. And Pretty uh, gains that. we've made since 1972 are astronomical, really, yeah. in women's sports. And Switzer is a big pioneer for the running community yeah. and women. And I just wanted to give her a clap point for coming back 50 years later and I read her time was 420 and change in 1967 uh-huh. and granted she was shoved off the course at one point messed with her rhythm but comes back 50 years later at 70 years old yeah. puts on the 261 bid and runs 444 hooray for you Catherine that's awesome we're proud of you at hooray run very deserving on your end T-Dot anything clap point worthy now this this is a Ray run, but since it's the Boston Marathon, I want to give a couple clap, like some clap points to the men's and women's push rim. Hit me. Is the push rim races. Yes. We got up early. Boston coverage, you know, is showing the push rim. You know, it kind of, it's a quick race. It's like an hour and 15 minutes. It's, they fly. They and do. On, on wheels. But it's, you know, it's men and women who are disabled who, are you know tucked into this thing and they're flying down and I just 
I can't imagine, like, there is lactic acid in your arms for sure. And it's, uh, that I think it's impressive. That is I, incredible to me. When I'm watching yeah. them, and what'd you say, 131 or 41? Like 115. Oh, one, geez. Yeah, 112. Something like that for this year's race. And, um, you know, Manula Shar, uh, Swiss, Swiss woman to uh, win her push rim race, world best time this year. I mean, I think that's just impressive, you know. Um, so, I mean, part of part of the race, you know, is downhill, but um, I want to say, she, but, you know, like, heartbreak hill isn't going to be fun when you're on a bike. You know, it'd be no better when you're pulling yourself up this up the hill, you know. So I think correct, pretty impressive. You don't get to see it much. It's not like that's at your local 5K, but, you know, a lot of grit and a lot of strength. It's just really impressive strength, and I think they deserve some credit too. If you – I urge listeners to YouTube these pushroom races. It's yeah. something – that you just got to experience whether you're in person watching, even on YouTube online, it's again, remarkable endurance. Clearly we're at the marathon distance, but like you said, the speed, they, the speed with which they're going, what they've been through physically, mentally, it's just another one of those. It's heartwarming. You see the tears flowing at the end of some of these races. And then you hear the background stories on these athletes and you just, you, you just, you clap point. Yeah. What do I say? Yeah, that's right. I'm going to give one more quick, quick clap point to maybe the additional USA women runners who we didn't cover nearly mm-hmm. in depth as like a Jordan Hase or a Des Linden. Still some remarkable results Lindsey Flanagan from Illinois USA finishes 11th for the women in 234-44 followed by Shelby Township Michigan resident Dana Herrick 234-53 that's a 12th place finish Mm. USA goes 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 22 Wow. Wow. 12 through 22. Wow. I'm just seeing that now. That's 12 really through impressive. 22 for the U.S. women. And, oh, sorry, 11 through 22 because Flanagan, Lindsey Flanagan was 11. So 11 through 22, USA. And then Jordan Hase third, Des Linden fourth, as we, as we covered. And that's my clap point, again, to USA women's marathoning that's that's gonna push in the right direction as a company company country mm-hmm. inspiring younger runners no kidding and just a quick touch on edna kiplagat's powerful run 37 years old i yeah. mean what a workhorse that Left was that break at around mile 19 was <laughs> i mean you're just why i think we texted and yeah. said it's over I mean, yeah. you see one urge, one push. She's getting anxious, and she just she puts the cape on and fly. Yeah, she put the cape on and fly. Two twenty one fifty two for the official time for Kip Lagat of Kenya. I mean, Kip Lagat was so far ahead, you know, within like a couple miles of her move. 
Yep. That went. She like missed the water station. Couldn't find her bottle. At <laughs> yes. Second. Yeah. Second water station. Came back to look for it. Wasn't there again. She went to the third. Moved on. And like totally. I mean, you never see that. You know. You never yeah, see that. Know. It totally throws off the rhythm. But it didn't matter. She was. She was way too far to be caught by any of the women. And you know. I mean, I think she's a she's a mother of five. She has two of her own children, and she adopted three children from her neighbor when her neighbor passed away. I think from cancer. Wow! And I mean, mother of five just won the Boston Marathon. I think that deserves a clap point. Big heart. Yeah. I got one more quote here from Switzer, who was my first clap point there. Again, 1967, first women to finish Boston comes back. 50 years later, here's a quote from uh, an essay she wrote for the New York Times. She says, the marathon was a man's race in those days, talking about 67 into 70s. Women were considered too fragile to run it. But I had trained hard and was confident in my strength. Still, it took a body block from my boyfriend to knock the official off the course. Yeah. Switzer recovered to finish in four hours, 20 minutes. And as I said... Earlier, she completed this year's race just a bit slower. Yeah. 444-31. That, you got to see the video. Again, um, another video recommendation, Catherine Switzer, her boyfriend, coming to the rescue, knocking the course official off, and just saying, hey, she's going to finish this no matter what you guys try to do. She's staying on course. And huge clap point to yeah. Switzer. And... The you know Boston is retiring bid number two sixty one after cool. this year. You know nobody would run it again. Yeah, they've retired Catherine's number. So great, yeah, deservingly. I mean, awesome. She totally trains the trajectory of of women's track and field, women's sport. I mean, she was she advocated for the marathon to and women's women's distance events to be added to the marathon or to be to, to added to the Olympics. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 84, she was an integral part of getting, you know, those distance events, 3K, 5K, marathon added to the 84 games in Los Angeles. And, and we had, um, you know, you know, women across the country certainly owe her a lot of credit. A lot Indeed. of respect. And Tita, I know you got to go. I just want to, I don't think we gave Meb's placing. I mean, Meb finished 13th. Mm-hmm. At age forty one. Yep. Said it's his last boss and he ran two seventeen flat today. Thirteenth place. This man forty one still getting prize money. You know that T dot? <laughs> Boston goes fifteen deep for prize money. Eighteen hundred bucks to Meb. I also if I can add it here, because yeah. Masters division, forty plus, right? Yep. They give some good dough to the Masters. So Meb's still walking home with the hefty payday. Abdi is 40. Good pal Abdi. Yep, he gets it first. He gets the... He gets the 10K for Masters. Yep. And yeah. Nev right right after him. Maybe not so much in time, but in place there. Uh, just another thank you, Meb, for everything. Boston, incredible performances over the last, I'm just going to say, five years. And what he did post-bombings in 2013 to come back. Again, Meb. 13th overall, amazing result. I mean, that's incredible. That is top-notch marathon racing, going 13th at Boston. Yep. And just another 
prideful moment yeah. for the Americans. T-Dot, I know you got to go. This was a lot of fun. There's always going to be improvement. I mean, this is the debut episode of Ferrari Run Podcast. Oh, yeah. We thank everyone. Even if it's two people who listen to this, it's two people and we grow from there. And yeah. I will look into the editing. We'll get this sounding great. I said in the intro, and we hope to bring on elite runners for interviews, coaches, track and field, slash distance running journalists, mm-hmm. um, and more. And just, you'll hear from Dot quite a bit too. We'll be shooting the breeze knowledgeably on primarily 1500 meter on up. We'll see where we go with coverage and content. And we certainly might have to, to talk about a little bit of Clay Murphy as the 800 meter season goes on. Gosh, yeah. I said 1500 meters on up, but <laughs> when you got something like a Clayton Murphy going sub 144 in April. Yep. Crushing 144. What was it? 143? 143. 143.6, I think. Jeez. We all know how much a four tenths of a second is in an 800. It's incredible. Yeah, so we're going to hopefully make this a weekly happening. We'll schedule some sweet interviews, just a lot of hope for this pod and this brand, if you will, hooray run. Mm -hmm. We just love if you can spread the word again, if you're one of five listeners and you tell a friend, that's huge for us. And T-Dot's got to get out. I can't keep him any longer, T-Dot. Go play soccer. Get a goal for me. I better hear some cheers all the way from Holland to Elmwood Park here in Illinois. I want to hear something about T-Brinks and his developing soccer career but we gotta keep you healthy too for track yep i'll stay healthy it's just good cross training <laughs> like you said, off gym. i appreciate it glad to be here for the first episode of the debut and certainly look forward to being back thank you once again for joining hooray run podcast episode one the first ever episode great to have you on board tell a friend recommend subscribe follow us on social media Facebook page, Twitter, at hooray underscore run. Twitter today, we had a tweet, Boston Marathon Monday, that is making the rounds. A four-second clip, Des Linden in the lead, takes a water cup from a volunteer, and you have to see the volunteer's reaction. Check it out, hooray run Twitter page. Des Linden even retweeted it. I'm not kidding. And yes, I'm plugging an individual tweet. Anything to get this young project off the ground is phenomenal. Any like, any retweet, we appreciate it. T-Dot, my guest tonight, and who will be frequently featured on this podcast, he's grateful for the listen. He's grateful for any word you can get out for Hooray Run. I also want to direct your attention to that Catherine Switzer piece I mentioned earlier in the podcast. It's an ESPN SC featured film, 6 minutes, 53 seconds. Awesome watch. It's SC-featured Legacy of 261. Watch it. We'll make some tweaks, get rid of squeaks, whatever the case may be, we want to make Hooray Run podcast an enjoyable listening experience for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you once again for joining the debut episode. Spread the word. Much appreciation from our end. T.Dot Brinks. Great to have you on the debut episode. I'm James Rogers. Big thanks to my friend Mikey, a.k.a. Meeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Check him out on SoundCloud, Meeks Palmer. Awesome beats. He's got like 20-some beats. I vibe to him. He brought us in with a beat for the intro music. 
We're fading out here with Daylight, Neeks Palmer on SoundCloud. Much appreciation for the work. Episode 1 is done. 